0: Hey, this is Matthew's Table podcast channel. We wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and remind you of who you are, but more importantly, whose you are. And how just like I got to come here early at five and just pray and uh, worship him. And like we just serve a good, good father. Um, and like yesterday, We uh, our show love team. The small church was down at the Cadillac and serving chili out of the concession stand. And it's just amazing to be a part of this church body of people that will go, people that will serve, people that will love uh, others. So uh, before we get started, I just want to open us up in prayer. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you that you're in the fire with your people. I thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. I just pray that if anyone doesn't know you today, that they come to know you. I pray for true change, not just a a message that people hear and just leave, but I pray for true change. So I pray even as I preach this sermon that it would change me from the inside out, that it would change your people. And, you know, it's one thing to just come to church and leave, but may we encounter you in Jesus name. Amen. If he was here last Sunday, uh, I preached about uh, Saul's conversion. And for the next few weeks or the next month or so, we're going to be going through different encounters with Jesus. So like Saul encountered Jesus and he was never the same. He went from Saul to the Apostle Paul. Um, he, he wrote 13 books in the New Testament. But like today, the guy I'm going to preach about and I want you to see is that Not everyone who encounters Jesus accepts Jesus. That not everyone that sees Jesus knows Jesus. And we can see that in church in that not everybody that comes to church worships Jesus. So there's different encounters with Jesus in different results, but ultimately we have to know that no matter how we accept or reject that, Jesus is still king. Whether we accept it or not, Jesus is still on the throne. Whether we want it or not, Jesus is still in control. So that's what we'll be learning today, is that not everyone that sees Jesus accepts Jesus. That ultimately, like, even for me, for the majority of my life, I didn't see Jesus as everything I needed I didn't see Jesus as something that would complete me. I seen Jesus as an add-on to what I already had. So I wouldn't have said I was an atheist or agnostic. I just didn't really see how Jesus would benefit me besides eternal life. Like, I didn't want to go to hell, but I really didn't want to live my life for Jesus either. So I'm gonna share a story that I've shared before, but. Uh, Maybe he wasn't here. Maybe you've forgotten the story, but it's about a man named Jim Elliot. If there was no such thing as an eternal life, Jim Elliot would be a fool. Like he would be a complete fool. But he's not because Jim Elliot had an eternal perspective. Jim believed in sharing the gospel in dangerous places all across the world and preaching Jesus to people who had never heard it. Jim believed in living your life on mission for God. Jim and his team would go into jungles like to unreached people groups who had, uh, it was dangerous places. They had never encountered other people. They really didn't even want other people there. But Jim and his team was like, man, I want these people to hear the gospel. I want them to know about Jesus. So they would go into the jungles to share the gospel with these people. Until on January the 8th, 1956, at 28 years old, Jim and five others would be murdered while on their mission trip. So, was Jim a fool? Was his wife a fool? Because she went back to share the the gospel with the same people. I would say not one bit. And here's a quote that Jim had wrote in his journal He is no fool. Who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Here's what I wanted to remind us of this morning. If you have Jesus, then you have enough. If you have Jesus, then you have everything. And the amount in your bank account doesn't determine what you're worth. What people think about you doesn't determine what you're worth, and what you think about yourself doesn't determine what you're worth. A question that I have for each of us as we're about to open up our text is, is Jesus your true and ultimate treasure? Is Jesus number one in your life, and what do you value the most? This morning, we'll be in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 27, and we'll be reading about the rich young man and how... He wanted eternal life, but he really didn't want Jesus. Verse 17. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. He went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. So this morning, when we think about the rich young man, and like so for me a lot of times when I read the Bible, or maybe even you, I can think things like, I can't believe that this guy walked away from Jesus. I can't believe that he didn't follow Jesus. But then I ultimately realize, and I hope you do too, that we too can find ourselves holding on to things that we should let go of. We can find ourselves hold on to things tightly that we know are not supposed to be there. Like if we were to be real, we can find ourselves turning good things into God things. We can find ourselves turning the Bible time into TV time. We can find ourselves turning uh, prayer time into a distracted time, and we can find ourselves choosing social media over time with God. If we were to be real, a lot of the times we can look at Jesus like an add-on to our lives. We look at him like a uh, like, yeah, I kind of want you, and I, and I want the things you offer, but I really don't want to sacrifice much for you. So while it always should be and always will be Jesus plus nothing equals everything, a lot of us in the rich young man live our lives like it's Jesus plus my stuff equals everything. Or Jesus plus my plans equal everything. Or Jesus plus my money equals everything. The irony of the rich young man, though, as we look at his life in worldly terms, he actually seems to have everything. He's young. He's successful. He's rich. And by the world's standards, he seems to be a pretty decent guy. The rich young man has so much, but we can obviously see something's missing, right? He's asking the question. Teacher, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And I think that's something we all all face. Like there's something within us all that says there's got to be something more than this. Like even, um, I've never been that successful, but even, you know, when I thought I had it all, there was still something inside of me that would scream. Man, there's just got to be more than this right here. This can't be the end. This can't be. All there is, and I have a video I want us to watch of uh, Tom Brady, and he's won seven Super Bowls, and he's married to a supermodel, and he's worth like uh, $500 million probably, and in this video, he says there has to be more than this. Maybe we're going to watch the video, maybe not. <laughs> All right, no video. But in the video Tom Brady is in an interview and he says I just feel like there has to be something more out there. And the interviewer he says, "What do you think it is?" And Tom Brady says, "I wish I knew. I wish I knew." And I think that's the same reason, reason the, the rich young man finds himself knelt before Jesus. Because he realizes, too, there, there has to be something more than this. That this. This can't be all there is. And that's why verse 17 he asks, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? We can see, by the way, that question was asked that he was searching for more. That uh, despite... The fact that people thought he had everything. Like the rich young man, he would be someone probably with, with high value within the community. He would have probably, he probably had his own business and he was probably most likely to be successful. But here he finds himself knowing. There has to be more. He, he knew this couldn't be it. And honestly, he's asking the right question to the right person. But he words it like. Good teacher, what must I do? Or in Matthew, it says, what good deeds must I do to inherit eternal life? See, the thing that I want to point out in one of the biggest issues, the rich young man, is he thinks that he can do it. He thinks, what good deeds must I do? How much good do I have to do to gain eternal life? What, what checklist do I need to complete um, so I don't die and go to hell? The rich young man, he's foolish in thinking he can save himself and earn his way to eternal life. But notice this. Notice Jesus didn't say start going to church. Notice Jesus didn't say, hey, repeat this prayer and you'll have eternal life with me. Notice that Jesus didn't even say, like, believe in me and you'll be saved. Jesus instead answers him in verse 19. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Because the rich young man thinks he's a great guy, he says in verse 20, teacher, all those I've kept from my youth. The rich young man thinks he's a, a great guy. He thinks, man, I've been good my whole life. I'm rich. I'm successful. I've been a good son. I've led a good business. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't stolen. And I really believe that's what a lot of us think we do too. A lot of us really believe, like, would God really send me to hell? Would God really punish me for my sin? Does God really expect this of me? Honestly, like even me included, like I get in the habit of thinking I'm just not that bad. I think my sin just isn't that bad. And I actually, I live my life sometimes like, hey, God, you should be okay with that. You know how bad I once was. I'm actually doing pretty good now. And some of us, we live our lives like that. Like, God, you should be happy with me. Don't you see that I'm in church this morning? don't you see I'm not I'm not doing that anymore would you really punish me for just holding on to this thing that I love newsflash you will think about every funeral you've ever been to you ever been to a funeral where somebody don't go to heaven I ain't every funeral I've been to they all go to heaven right I ain't been to a funeral yet that's been like, man, so-and-so, I don't know where he's going, but (laughs) like I would, I would probably spit out my drink if I was at a funeral and they said that. And I've been to some funerals where like, man, do you know that guy? Because every funeral paints a pretty picture. Hey, he's in heaven. He's in a better place now. He's a great guy. Uh, Like, think about if you went, have you ever went to a funeral and heard otherwise? See, what the rich young ruler was thinking was he wanted eternal life, but as an add-on to what he already had. That's because ultimately he thinks he's good enough without it. He thinks he's successful. He thinks he can do enough good and earn his way to heaven, but this is what Jesus tells him, and I will tell you that following Jesus will always cost you something. Like, following Jesus will always cost you Following Jesus will cost you friendships. It will cost you relationships. It may cost you your family. It may cost you your job. It may cost you pride. Following Jesus, for some people around the world, it'll cost them their life. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is always worth it. Like, we live in this false uh, reality in American Christianity that just following Jesus is a walk in the park, like, like it's easy. No, following Jesus and, and really living your life in a biblical way will cost you. It, 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 it will hurt your feelings. It, it's hard to do. And that's why Jesus, Jesus said, like, children, do you know how difficult it is to go to heaven? Do you know how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God? Because a lot of us, if we was to be honest, we don't want to pay the cost. We don't really want to walk the walk like we want this Sunday, easy religion, but we don't want the relationship that changes us from the inside out. We don't really want Jesus to prune us when it hurts. We don't really want Jesus to take away things that we, that we desire and that we like. We want Jesus sometimes when it, when it benefits us and when it, and we feel like it's a gain to us, but we really don't want Jesus when it hurts. I know that's when I struggle the most. Like, Jesus, you're really doing that? You really want me to do that? And, and you know, like, that's the pruning process don't feel good. The pruning process hurts. And I think the, the closer you get to Jesus and see you need to, and, and he's making you more like him, the more that I, like, man, this This hurts. That I'm not perfect because I like to think of myself as perfect. I like to think of myself as good. And, and, I, like, and even worse, I like to think that Jesus is going to co-sign my sin. Like, I think Jesus is actually like, man, I get it, Nick. Like, we treat Jesus like a friend. Like, man, you ain't that bad. But do you know who you're sinning against is the problem? Do you know who you're going? You're going against the God of the universe. So when I say Jesus plus nothing equals everything, you know what I mean? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's not Jesus plus add on everything else because he is everything else. Jesus is never a plus one. He's never a tag along. Jesus has to be and always will be number one or he's nothing. He's not playing second fiddle to anybody. He's not playing third string to anybody. He's either God or he's not. Like, that's the the, the foolishness in this saying, like, Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is my... No, Jesus, he's God. He makes the rules and he has all authority. So, I even see Christians say things like, at least I try to make it to church. Like, I see Christians and I hope you don't have this shirt, but they'll say like, man, I love God, but I cuss a little. Like I see Christians say like, man, God understands that I don't have time to pray. I don't, I don't have time to to, to read my word. And me and my friend was me and a, a guy in this church was talking about that yesterday. He was like, man, I know people get busy about their D groups and it's hard to do it. And I was like, well, how much time does it take to do a D group to do your reading? 10 to 15 minutes so it's not that you don't have time you don't want to make time it's not that you can't do it like and that's what I'm saying like a lot of us if we was to get real and do a heart check it's I don't make time for God he's not number one but you probably wouldn't say that with your lips but the way you live your life would tell you that a lot of us you wouldn't say like man Uh, I haven't spent time with God, but if we checked your phone versus your Bible reading time, it would show you didn't spend time with God. So now our culture says things like, man, you can have a relationship with God without going to church. You can just do church at home. You can just do church on your own. And that's how we kind of treat Jesus is you can pick them up and put them down at your convenience that you can worship him at at your convenience, that that he can just be a bonus to what your plans are and what you want to do. But here's something to write down. The rule number one is to never make God number two. He's not number two to your kids. He's not number two to your job. He's not number two to your family. He's not number two to your relationship. He's not number two to anything. So the rule number one is to never, ever make God number two. It won't work. Pastor Steve Lawson puts it this way. The demands of following Jesus Christ will cost you everything. But you gain far more than you give up. You give up dirt for diamonds. You give up dirt for diamonds. As we're going to see, the rich young man, he didn't like Jesus' answer that he had to give up something. He wanted eternal life, but he didn't want it more than his stuff. He didn't see Jesus as the ultimate treasure. The rich young man invested in his best life now, and his his stuff, it made him who he was. He didn't feel right without this stuff. He couldn't see himself part, you know, what's my identity without being the rich young man? What's my identity without having all these possessions? And, And a lot of us, like, we want the benefits of God, but we really don't want God himself. Like, we want what God has to offer, but we really don't want God to be ruler and lord over our lives. We want to, to, to play the Christian part, but we really don't want to be all the way Christian when it costs us everything. So although the rich young man thought he was doing great on his checklist, Jesus, I haven't killed, I haven't stolen, I haven't committed adultery. Jesus takes it a step further because Jesus ultimately knew what ruled this man's heart. He knew what the rich young man valued the most. Verse 21, and Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. What was his response? Verse 22. Disheartened by the sand, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This is something I want us to consider. Most of the things that we spend our lives chasing, you know what it'll turn in the end? Dust. Like, we chase things that will be in future yard sales. Like, we chase things that will one day be donated to the Goodwill. And any parent knows, uh, if you have kids, I need this for Christmas. I gotta have this. Three months later, where's it at? In the closet, not being used. But every year, I gotta have this. And we, even as adults, 95% of the things that we chase, will t- everything that we chase will turn into dust in the end. So if you live your life for that, you're living your life for dust. Think about that. King Solomon, the richest man who ever lived, tells us in a- Ecclesiastics 114, I have seen everything that is done under the sun. And behold... All is vanity and striving, are chasing after the wind. But here's what's insane. We still chase. We still strive. We still look for completion in things. We still think things will fulfill us. We still think those things will uh, complete us. And we're chasing after the winds. Notice it said about the rich young man that he had great possessions. You think he still has them? He don't. You ever seen a U-Haul behind a hearse? Me neither. He don't have those possessions anymore. He, he didn't take them along with him to et- eternal life. Those possessions are dust now. The thing that we have to take note of is did he own his things or did his things own him? Did he own his things or did his things own him? What was number one in his life? Did he really want a relationship with Christ? He didn't. You know why? I'm sure he thought, it's too much to give up. That's too much to walk away from. Would you really expect me to do that, God? Do you know what I have? The the rich young man treated Jesus as like, do you know what I have to offer? So just tell me what good must I do to inherit eternal life? He didn't really want a relationship with Jesus. He wanted the benefits of Jesus. So as I read this story, I don't look at the man and say, this guy is crazy. Because like I said earlier, I know and believe that we have a lot of things that we like to hold on tightly to, too. Like the rich young man ain't crazy because I got far less than him. I ain't rich. I ain't young anymore, but I still got that stuff. I love to hold on to that. I think is mine that I don't really want to let go of that, that I really think I deserve it and I own this and I worked hard for this. So, so why would I depart with this? And think about this, most of us, to be real, if Jesus asked us to sell it all, we're going to walk away sad too, because most of us don't even like giving 10%. Like most of us, if we was to be honest, don't even like to tithe on a regular basis. Because you know what that ultimately, we ultimately believe, I deserve to keep this. This is mine. I work hard for this. Jesus, do you really expect me to give and tithe? Do you really expect me to, to be sacrificial for you? Like, so don't look, at, like, don't look at this guy like he's crazy when you're holding on to your 10% saying, oh, should I really let this go? Should I really put this in the offering? Does the church really need my finances? Do they really need my money? Here's the insanity I think about, though. We live in the richest country in the world, and no one thinks they're rich. Everyone thinks about this story about the, the other rich people. They think like, well this story must be about the people in uh, Griffith Avenue or Lake Forest. No, you're rich. You got running water, you're rich. You got heat in there, you're rich. You got a job, you're rich. So we live in the richest country in the world, But no one thinks the rich. So what do we do? We buy houses, and we buy cars, and Xboxes, and PS4s, or PS5s. I just got an Xbox 360, so you see I didn't know. Uh, So we buy things, right? And we add on to our possessions, right? And, And then we, because we have so much stuff and we think we need so much stuff, then we gotta work side jobs and side hustles to get more stuff. And because we're not content in the things that we have, then we find ourselves working overtime and working 80 hours a week because guess what? That stuff owns us. We can't see ourselves departing from that stuff. We We can't see letting go of that stuff, so what we actually do is we imprison ourselves with stuff. We box ourselves in with stuff that we think will complete us, and we really don't want to let it go. And think about this. I'm not saying nothing is wrong with working. But I am saying if it's taking you away from God, then it's probably not from God. Like, that's a hard truth. Like, well, and I've seen this in in FOS a million times. Well, this job wants me to work on Sunday now, Nick. Guess I won't be at church anymore. Uh, guess, guess I, I got to go to that job now. I guess I got to be at a small church now. I got to work all these hours now. And then we really think like, well, I guess God gave me this job. Or not. Well, maybe the enemy gave you that job. So some of us, we think the devil is coming at us with pitchforks and fire. But I think the devil probably comes at you with everything that you think you need and want. Like some of you are, you're waiting on the horns to expose themselves. Like, oh, there's the devil. When the real enemy is probably your, your possessions and your overtime at work that's, that's taking your attention away from Jesus. He's saying, man, just feed them a, a little bit more. Just give them a little bit more of a raise. He'll think he's really doing something. He'll think he's really earning something. Just take his attention any way you can away from God. So a lot of the times it's not the real evil stuff that takes our attention away from God. It's what we consider the good stuff. But guess what we just said? We said it all turns to dust in the end. We, like Whether I make 10000 or 100000 it turns to dust in the end. I can't take it with me. So when you consider what you're investing, like I say, invest eternally. Matthew 10, 39 tells us this. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. When we invest eternally, we're investing in things that will last. And Francis Chan has a quote that I love. He says, invest in things that will last 10,000 years from now. You know what Last 10,000 years from now? Eternity. So, was Jim Elliot a fool for losing his life at 28 to go share the gospel with people who had never heard it? No, he invested his life and lived it in the light of eternity. So Jesus knew the idolatry the rich man had with his possessions. He knew how tightly he held on to them, and he was saying, let him go. You can trust me. You can follow me. I got you. But he walked away disheartened. He walked away sad because he had too many possessions. He placed dirt over diamonds. He, he, he took fool's gold. He, he replaced fool's gold with the ultimate treasure. He said, I'm okay with this. This is the stuff I want. This is the things that complete me. He said, "I need my stuff. I need my things. I've worked too hard for them just to walk away and follow you." The problem was, and the problem with us is we don't see Jesus as the ultimate treasure. We really don't see Jesus as worthy of it all. And that's what I want to ask you today. What is it that you value the most? What is it that has God playing a second fiddle to in your life? What is it? What are the things that you like to, and you find yourself holding on so tightly to saying, God, one day when I get all this together, I'll get back to you. That's where I always fooled myself like, God, when I get a raise, I'll be a giver. When, 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 if you give me this, then I'll do that. So I treated God as uh, like collateral. If you do this for me, I'll do that for you. When God says, Nick, give it all and follow me. Trust me, I'll complete you. So idolatry, what is it? It's when we place anything in front of God. And sin is when we take a good thing and try to make it a God thing. Like money is good, but it's a lousy God. Like, money is good and you can do good things with it, but it can't be God. Money can't save you. It can't give you eternal life. It can't fulfill you in the end. And not only money, but your relationship can't be God. Your your kids can't be your God. Your kids' sports can't be your God. Your things can't be God because there is only one God. And like I said, he's not playing number two to anything or anyone. So I want you to really consider what's stopping God from being number one in your life. Like what's holding you back from saying, I trust you and I trust you completely. I'm in the palm of your hands and you have me. Here's what I want you to realize. Not one person in hell is saying, I wish I had more stuff. Not one person in hell is saying, I wish I could have made a little bit more money. I wish I could have had greater possessions. But there's plenty of people in heaven who who lost their life that said, I gained it all. There's plenty of people in heaven that didn't probably seem to have nothing on earth, but have everything in eternity. This story is all about treasure today. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus is the greatest treasure Let's think about what we have in Jesus. If you have Christ, you have true love. If you have Christ, you have true forgiveness. If you have Christ, you have true grace. If you have Christ, you have eternal life. If you have Christ, you have it all. Verses 23 through 27. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it would be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The question is, why is it so hard for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? For me, it's no secret. When I don't feel like I need God, then I forget my need of God. Like, my danger zone, like when I hit rock bottom, it was an easy decision for me to be like, God, you're number one. I didn't have no other choice. I didn't have no other way. God, I, you can have my life because I ain't got nothing anyway. So, the, like I, That was easy for me. Guess when the danger zone is? When I get everything back. When I, when I got my wife back. When I got my things back. When I got my house back. Then it was a lot harder to be like, God, you're number one. Like, God, you understand, Right? You want me to do this now? When, when before, when I didn't have nothing and God was number one, it was, man, I'm going to be in my Bible. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. And, and I simply want you to be number one in my life. And the danger zone for me is when I get more stuff. The danger zone for me is when I feel like I have everything. Then I forget my need of Jesus. So what the rich young man did and what we do is we hold on to things that will be lost and turned to dust in the end. We, we hold on to things that can be taken away. We hold on to things of future yard sales. So to go back to the last question the disciples asked, who can be saved then? Like, think about why they asked that question. Here they see themselves. They see this man walking away sad. This man. So when they asked and who can be saved? They're probably looking at this guy, and this is a, probably a guy in the community that other people looked up to. This was like a, a businessman, a rich young man. So they're probably asking themselves, like, man, if he can't be saved, then how can I? If he can't make it, then, then who can? But that's how I love how Jesus answered them. Jesus looked at them and said this, with a man it is impossible but not with God, for all things are possible with God. The truth is, rich or poor, white or black, young or old, no one can save themselves. No one can do enough good deeds. We all need Jesus equally the same. It's God and God alone who who can change the dope dealer into a hope dealer and can save anyone for his glory. It's God and God alone who can save the unsavable. So just like we do mission at the Cadillac, we also need to do mission at Lake Forest because both of them need Jesus equally the same. The only way to heaven is trusting in Jesus in the finished work of the cross. There's one way. It's Jesus. The only way to heaven is possession, the true... An ultimate treasure. The question isn't what must I do or what must we do to inherit eternal life? The real question is, do you know what has been done for you? Do you know that Jesus died for sinners? Do you know that he died the death that you and I deserve? Do you know that he offers true forgiveness? Do you know you can repent of your sins, confess him as Lord and follow him? So I want to ask you before we close, what is it that you've been valuing the most? Is it your possessions? Is it your relationship? What has been pulling your eyes away from Jesus? What has been taking your focus away from God? And I'm going to tell you today to let it go and lay it at his feet. You're not in control. He is. You don't have this whole thing figured out, but he does. So as you're evaluating like Jesus, what am I supposed to let go of? What are things that I find myself holding on to? What are the things that distract me from you? Here's what I want you to consider. Do you know that God is far better than you could ever imagine? Do you know that our God is the true bread of life? Do you know that he's the light of the world? Do you know our God is the great I am? Do you know our God is the door and he's the good shepherd and he's the resurrection and the life? Do you know our God is the true vine? Do you know our God is the true and ultimate treasure? If you don't, and you find yourself chasing after the wind, I'm going to tell you, you can trust in God. I'm going to tell you, you can believe in God. You can believe him with everything within you, you can believe with him to to lead you, to guide you, to protect you, to save you. What are you holding on to that you're afraid to let go of? Put it in the palm of his hands and trust him with your life. Trust him with your things. Cry out to him. There'll be prayer warriors up here if you need prayer. The altar is open. But one last question. Do you really think Jesus is worthy of it all? It's not just a song we sing. We don't just come to church to come to church. We come to worship Jesus, the true and ultimate treasure. for joining us today. A special thanks to those who sow into this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us financially, text all one word, Matthew's Table, to 73256. That's Matthew's Table to 73256. It's because of you this ministry is possible. If you like what you've heard, click the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You never know what God can do through your one act of obedience. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless.